this morning, <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about making good decisions. You know, as a child, uh, I didn't always make the best decisions. Uh, you know, when, I don't know what possessed us to do it was when we lived in Wyoming, myself and I think two more of my friends decided one day that we were playing in the mud, I guess, um, and there was a, I believe it was an empty house. We lived like in a townhome, and there was an empty house that was, or another empty townhome that was next to us. And for some reason or not, we thought it'd be fun to throw mud at the garage, and that ended up being like a garage door that was painted in mud. We just got our hands, and we just started painting it, and just, I mean, had a good old time. I'm sure we were laughing and cutting up while we were doing it. And it was a great decision, so we thought, you know, until we got in trouble, we got caught, and we had to clean it off and, you know, apologize and all that stuff. And I'm fairly sure that uh, I found the wrong side of a belt on that. So it wasn't a very good decision. Then as I grew up, still didn't make the best decisions. Uh, young teenager, probably uh, seventh grade something like that. Uh, my best friend at the time, <clears throat> his name was Clinton Roberts. We ran around together all the time. We play, go play football. We played a lot of basketball. He was better than I was, so it was good to be on his team. Um, but we rode our bikes everywhere. That was our means of transportation. Well, one day we decided it would be fun. <clears throat> Actually, he, he talked me into it. I didn't know anything about them, but you know the little valve stems on vehicles? Well, you can get some that are dice, you can get some that are chrome. You can Nowadays, you can get them whatever you want, I'm sure. I could probably get OU or Texas or Oklahoma State, whatever I wanted. Well, back then, we thought it was cool. That, you know, we'll just go take some and put them on our bikes. So we had some nice chrome uh, caps on our, our bicycles. So what we did is we drove around parking lots. Uh, Luby's was the place, Luby's Cafeteria is where we went because there was a lot of people there. And we drove around on our bikes and, you know, kind of peeking it out, scoping it out, and we'd go park our bikes somewhere. It was easy to get away. And we uh, go back to those vehicles that had the chrome caps, and we decided that we'd take them. Now, we never got caught doing it as far as actually somebody getting a hold of us. Uh, someone almost did catch us once. They'd come out and we're hollering as we were taking off on our bicycles. I didn't think about the consequences of it. I was a kid. I thought, hey, this would be fun. That would be cool to have on my bike. Not one of my better decisions. You know, it was, it was wrong. It was stealing. And I could come up with a whole bunch of other examples of things that I did as a child that wasn't smart, uh, that was a bad decision. So my purpose this morning is to talk about making good decisions. We'll talk about some bad decisions, and then we'll talk about how to make good decisions. But to start some things, to start off, I want to kind of knock some things out right away. Obviously, we don't want to do anything that's illegal, like stealing chrome caps. It's stealing. It's theft. You could go to jail for it. We don't want to do anything that's illegal. Um, something again as I got older this was after I was married we lived in Canyon I had a friend we worked at BSA together 
think we both were in uh, valet parking together, actually. <clears throat> he lived in Canyon as well. He called me, or no, we talked about it at work one day. He's like, hey, you ever been, you ever been road hunting? I said, what's road hunting? He said, well, we're just going to go out between Canyon and, and Happy and, uh, sh- you know, spotlight some rabbits and whatever else we can find to shoot. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great time. I got a, a 22. It would be great for that. So we did. We went out, um, I don't know, we went several times out on the dirt roads and spotlighting whatever we could find to shoot. And one night, we're out there and we spot a bobcat. And so we're in one spot for a long time. And I'm in the driver's seat driving my little pickup, little red S10, looking down the road. And I see headlights coming. They're getting closer. I'm like, and Sam's out of the, the kid's name was Sam. He's out of the vehicle. He's jumped the fence trying to find this bobcat. And I start hollering, Somebody's coming, somebody's coming. And he jumps. I don't even think he opened the, the door. I think he jumped in the window. And we took off, and luckily he knew those back roads because there was a, a quick turn and another quick turn and then railroad tracks. And anyway, we got away from whoever it was. Can you imagine if we had got caught? You know, was, I didn't think about what was going to happen if we got caught. I didn't think about... We're illegally hunting on somebody's property. We're hunting off the road. We're spotlighting at night. I mean, if it were a game warden and they thought we were spotlighting deer, there's a lot of consequences to that. A lot of consequences. Another thing that we don't want to do, we don't want to do things that can put us in harm's way. And that can be a lot of things. That could be speeding down the road, you know, going 100-something miles an hour. Again, something not so smart that I've done. I had a, a motorcycle. I had a, 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 a what you call a Supervac, so it wasn't a Harley or anything like that. It was one of the fast ones. And between here and Pampa, I got it up to like 172, 175 miles an hour. Not something smart to do, is it? One, one bad move, and I wouldn't be here today. I sold that bike shortly after that because of that reason. I got kids, had kids at the time. Bad decision, very bad decision. Something you should also think about, is this going to, to cause me to sin? What I'm about to do, is it going to cause me to sin? Is it a good decision to do something that's going to cause you to sin? No, it's not. We make those decisions every day, though, don't we? Sometimes we don't really think about it, and it's not till afterwards that we think, you know what? That was a sin. I shouldn't have done that. Another thing to think about is, will this ruin my witness with whoever I'm with? You know, we come across people every day. Maybe it's people that we see on a daily basis that aren't a part of the church. Maybe it's people we just, we don't even know. We've never seen them before. But you never know what you could do that could cause them to not want to come to church. So if you're a Christian and part of the church, ask yourself, am I about to do something that will hurt my chances of getting who I'm with to come to church or be saved? Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. 
Obviously, we don't really, we don't live in cities with walls. I mean, we've got city limits, but they're not walls. Back then, cities had walls to protect the city, protect them from enemies coming in and, and, you know, looting them or just completely taking over. But if you think about it, um, your conscience can act as a wall. If you're a Christian, you're thinking about doing something, what does your mind tell you? What's that little thing in the back of your head say? Hey, this is a good idea. Or, hey, this is a bad idea. You know? Don't do it. If your conscience tells you it's not a good idea, guess what? It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Because if we don't have those walls up, then we have no protection from the enemy. That gives Satan a chance to move in. Listen to your conscience. Older kids, young adults, there's a, we've got several in that category. We also have several in the category of, of little, what we would call little ones, you know, or children. I would say, you know, Adeline's still a child. We got several teenagers over here as well and over here. Someone that's younger than you looks up to what looks up to you. They pay attention to what you do, every move that you make. Adeline pays attention to what Aaliyah does. She pays attention to what Aaliyah's friends do. You know, if you do something that's not right, they may not know that. They're gonna think that since you did it, it's okay for them to do it. So you need to, to keep that in mind and think of what I'm about to do. It's not, this, this little girl, this little boy over here is watching me. I, I, I shouldn't do that, you know, because they, they shouldn't do this either. Something else I did when I was a teenager, me and my best friend Brandon, uh, and then a friend of ours, his name was Bobby Cash. It was Christmas time. We were on Christmas break, and we went to walk around the neighborhood for some reason. Um, I don't know, just get out of the house and walk around. And uh, we come across a yard that had some yard decorations, you know, Christmas yard decorations. And for some reason or not, we thought it would be fun to rearrange them, you know, have a good laugh. And uh, we got doing that, done doing that, you know, and we were chuckling about it. And we turned around, and there's some uh, red and blue lights. There was a cop. <laughs> what are you boys doing? Uh, you know, just having some fun. No big deal. That's what we're thinking. Tonight, or that night was not the night for us. Um, he pulled us, he, he put each of us in the back of the vehicle, took our license, and then individually pulled us out and got our story, you know, what did you do, why are you doing this kind of thing. And uh, then he pulled us all back in, and he said, well, my wife called, talked to her about what just happened, and tonight's your lucky night. She says, I ought to let you go since it's Christmas. You ought to buy her a dozen roses. And we're just, you know. And so we're going to get out, and he says, well, do y'all even know who lives here? And my best friend and I are both like, I mean, no is just on the end of our tongue. And Bobby says, yeah, that's my aunt and uncle. So the officer gets out and he said, okay, let's go knock on the door. Well, we go and we knock on the door and thankfully nobody was home. So we didn't get in trouble. Uh, we didn't, or, yeah, didn't get caught in a lie. 
even though Brandon and I are both like, what in the world, Bobby? He's letting us go. Shut your mouth, you know? I mean, another bad decision. We could have gone to jail that night. So on the, the part of making bad decisions, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit to the young people for the most part. Um, when it comes to making bad decisions, kids, teenagers, young adults, always make the decision to be nice to people. That is the best decision that you can make, especially as a child. Be nice to people. You got kids in your class, maybe you don't, you don't get along with very well. Well, be nice to them. Be nice to them. You never know whenever that will just make their day, you know. I always say you never know what, what's going across somebody else's mind. Maybe they think that you don't like them, and that's why they don't treat you right. Well, be nice to them. Maybe it'll change their attitude. Words are like a tub of toothpaste. Once it comes out, you can't put it back in. Watch what you say to people. Saying mean things to people hurts their feelings. It's things that you can't take back. You get mad and something just spurts out your mouth, you can't take it back. Have you ever tried putting toothpaste back in a tube of toothpaste? Can't do it. Sure, you might get a little bit in there, squishing it in. You can't put all that back in a tube of toothpaste. It just doesn't work. You can't do it. Guard your heart. Girls, some boys will tell you what you want to hear so they can get what they want. Stay sexually pure until you get married. Boys, some girls can do the same. Stay sexually pure. Don't let your friends talk you into anything that you know is wrong. If it sounds wrong, it's wrong. If it looks wrong, more than likely it's wrong. Don't do it. I always tell the girls, there's something you don't want to do. Tell us. We'll tell you, no, you can't do it. <laughs> that way you can tell your friends, no, I can't do that. If you're in a situation, stuck in a situation somewhere that you think you can't get out of, call your parents. If you can't call your parents, call somebody else. Call me. Call somebody in the church. We'll be there for you. Interesting statistics and things that I got off the internet is that about 750,000 teens who get pregnant are mostly between ages 17 to 19 each year. Every four women out of 10 are getting pregnant in the U.S. before they reach 20 years old. 1,700 teenage girls get pregnant every single day. And that comes out to 70 girls every hour. get pregnant. 70 girls every hour. Parenthood is the main reason as to why teen girls drop out of school. More than 50% of teen mothers never graduate high school. You look at that versus those who don't get pregnant and graduate. There's 90% who don't get pregnant graduate from high school. That's a big difference, isn't it? 
eight out of ten, eight out of ten teen dads do not marry the mother of their child. Twenty percent of these young fathers get into a new relationship within two years of ending the previous relationship and become a father again. Over eighty percent of teens eventually become single mothers. That's a problem, isn't it? You imagine being a teenager, being a single mom, having to raise your child as a single mother. The people who start drinking as teens greatly increase their chances of developing alcoholism as an adult. Drinking when you're when you are young increases your chances of developing a lifetime problem. Teens who drink before the age of 15 are 40% more likely to develop alcohol dependency as an adult. Think about that. You're looking for somebody to marry. Who wants to be married to a drunk? You don't. And this isn't to pick on anyone. These are just facts that I found online. Um, it's kind of my soapbox right now, I guess. You know, and we could go on and on and enlist a lot of bad decisions that teenagers make that have a lasting effect on their lives, but we just don't have that kind of time. We'd be here for the next week or so, I suppose, going over those things, discussing the things that you could and could have done better, the better decisions you could make. So think about what you're doing or what you're about to do and how it will affect your future. Because it will. Things you do today affect your future. It might keep you from getting a job, keep you from getting in the college you want to get into. These things matter. Don't just react out of impulse. Think about what you're doing. So now we're going to get into how to make a good decision. Now, I can't give you a foolproof plan on how to make a good decision um, or to always make the correct decision, but I think I can give a solid foundation. Obvious answer is pray for guidance. Before you do anything else, get God's perspective on the issue. Proverbs 28, 28 verse 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. We should always go to God to help us with decisions. You shouldn't decide one day, or you wouldn't decide one day, hey, you know what, I, just want, I want to get married. I want to go out and find the first person to tell me yes, and we're just going to get married. You wouldn't do that, would you? Most people spend years looking for a spouse, or at least had parents that have prayed for you to find the spouse. It doesn't, it's not something that just happens overnight. So that would be a bad decision, wouldn't it? It would be a bad decision just to say, hey, I want to go get married and just find somebody to say yes. Most times that does not work out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. You know, uh, we could stop right here, really. Just mic drop, pray without ceasing. That, that pretty much covers all of our problems, doesn't it? Pray without ceasing because that's how we communicate with the Lord. It's how we stay in tune with his will. 1 Chronicles 16, 11, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. 
Praying will help us seek the Lord for strength and help us make good decisions. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This kind of correlates with the last two verses. We can cast our cares upon the Lord in prayer, knowing that the Lord cares for us and wants the best for us and will help us make the right decision. Number two, get the facts. Always want to get your facts straight before you do something. Find out everything you can before you make a decision. Proverbs 13. I guess I put that in the wrong spot. Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 16. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth upon his folly. A wise man deals with knowledge, so he... He goes out and he gains knowledge about something before he acts on it. You know, I, I spent probably, I don't know, a year or so looking for a Ford excursion. I wanted a bigger vehicle to haul the kids around and their friends and all that. And I thought I wanted a diesel. I looked at those. Too expensive. You would think something that's 15 to 20 years old would be cheap. No, it's not. You find something with a 7.3 liter diesel motor in it, and it's $20,000. If it's less than that, something's wrong with it. Ended up buying a, one that had the V10. Anyway, my point is, I spent a lot of time getting my facts straight, figuring out what would be good for me before I purchased one. That goes along with anything in our life. You know, don't just make a rash decision. Get, the, get your facts. Know what you're doing before you make a decision. Well, I skipped one in my PowerPoint. Ask for advice. Number three, ask for advice. Talk to somebody who's made a similar decision. Talk to your close friends who know your weaknesses. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Some decisions require a lot more time and thought. You have to weigh out your pros and your cons. When I have a hard decision, I usually go to my wife, and I ask her for her opinion. She knows me. She knows what I like. She knows what I don't like. She knows what I get upset and react to easily. And usually she puts a different perspective on it that I didn't think about. It's been very helpful. And I talk to my mom. I get her thoughts on it. I talk to Bever and Diane. I talk to my close friends. I talk to a lot of you here in the congregation about stuff. If it's something about church, I usually will contact Garland or David or both. Making, decision, making a decision can be easier when you seek wise counsel. Now, you're not going to come ask me something about farm equipment because I don't know anything about farming, you know? I'm not a farmer, never have been. I don't know those things. Are you going to come talk to me about hunting? I know a little bit about hunting. I can give you some advice. Don't come talk to me about farm equipment because I, I, I wouldn't be wise counsel on that. Number four, hopefully I got this one right. Cal calculate the cost. Nearly every decision has a price tag. 
It can cost you time. It can cost you money. It can cost you energy, your reputation, your talents, and it can even cost resources. Proverbs 20 and 25 says, It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy and after vows to make inquiry. When people pressure you to make a decision, it's okay to say, I'll get back to you. It's okay to say no. It's more important to make a wise decision than to make a quick decision. Don't make an emotional decision because you're caught up in the moment. We've heard that before. Don't make an emotional decision. You know, after you have someone that's close to you die, don't go out and make a big decision because more than likely it's going to be an emotional decision. Don't rush your decision just because someone else wants you to answer right then and there. Take your time. Make an informed decision. Number five, prepare for problems. In faith, expect the best. Expect God to work in your life, but also prepare for the problems. Prepare prepare for the problems that are part of every decision. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verse 3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, with some experience, you can play out scenarios in your head and see if you're about to make a a good decision or not. Trust God and start moving despite your problems, despite your fears and your doubts. We're all going to run into problems. We run into problems every day. And you're not always going to make the correct decision, but you you can't let bad decisions hold you back. You know, I read a fictional tale about a young manager who was replacing a retiring executive. The young man approached the retiring executive and asked, Sir, I know of the legend that you have become as a leader in this company. Could you give me some advice as I try to fill your shoes? And the executive ponders for a minute and he says, Three words, make good decisions. The young man said, Well, that's good advice. What is the key to making good decisions? One word, experience. Young man says, and how do I get this experience? He says, two words, bad decisions. You know, we learn from the decisions that we make. A lot of times they are bad decisions, but we learn from them. A few weeks ago, I was up at the sheriff's office and I was changing some lights out to LED lights. And uh, I made the bad decision of cutting two wires at the same time, not knowing that they were live. And it made a huge pop. I dropped a ballast at the same time. You should have heard the ladies scream in there. They thought that I'd fallen off the ladder and electrocuted myself and all that. It was a bad decision. I know now. Pay attention to what you're doing. Don't cut two wires at once. It could have been very shocking. Um, yeah. We learn and grow from the decisions we make, whether they're good or bad. We also learn from other people's decisions. You know, if you were to sit in a family of adult siblings at a table and then get to talking about things they did when they were younger, more than likely you're going to hear the youngest say, yeah, I learned from what they did. I learned what not to do and what to do from what they did, from the bad decisions they made. 
But you know, the biggest decision of your life, what do you think that is? We make hundreds of decisions every day, don't we? Consciously, subconsciously, we decide what we're going to wear. We decide what time we're going to get up because we set in our alarm. We decide if we're going to go eat or if we don't have time to eat. I mean, it's just a bunch of decisions that we make. We decide if we're going to speed, not speed, and all that. But the biggest decision of your life is becoming a child of God and following his commandments. That is the greatest, most important decision that you're going to make in your life. You're either going to follow Christ or you're going to deny Christ in the end. And the scriptures are very clear about what it takes to become a child of God. And we're going to go over that real quick. It's a very simple plan revealed in God's word. First, we have to hear the word. Without first hearing the word of God, you would never know that you're a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without hearing, we wouldn't know of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and our need for him. It's also where our faith comes from. Romans 10 Verse 17, then faith is of hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to hear the word. We have to hear the word of God. Number two, we, we must believe. You must believe what you hear. Merely hearing the word of God doesn't save. You must believe what you, what you hear or you're not likely to obey God's commands. In John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says, If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So you have to hear and believe God's word. You have to believe that Jesus was a son of God, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on the cross for your sins and for, for everyone else's sins. Step three, you must repent of your sins. Sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah Chapter 59, verse 2 says, But your iniquities have come between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you from hearing. So if you intend to seek God's forgiveness, you must be willing to repent of your sins. Repentance means turning away from sin and making the effort not to sin anymore. If you're not willing to repent of your sins, you can't be saved. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31, Truly then... God overlooking the times of ignorance, now he strictly commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he appointed, having given proof to all by raising him from the dead. We have to repent of our sins. Step four, you must confess, of your, uh, you must confess your faith. Those that wish to be saved must confess their faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. Because if, you're, because if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. And it was Jesus Christ himself who said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, 
Him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. So we must confess our faith. In step five, we must be baptized. You know, there's considerable religious confusion about baptism. Some think baptism isn't necessary. Others believe we're saved before we're baptized. Note what the scriptures say about, about baptism and what it does. Baptism shows a good conscience toward God. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter clearly confirms in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, baptism doth also now save us. Baptism washes away sins. Acts 22, verse 16. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism gives entry into Christ. Galatians chapter 13, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Jesus, our authority, made baptism necessary when he gave the command in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In other words, our sins are not washed away and we are not in Christ until we are baptized. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Since baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, we are still in our sins and lost until we are baptized. So we've gone over how to make good decisions, We've talked about some bad decisions, uh, the biggest, most important decision of our life, which is being baptized and following Christ. So if you're sitting here today and you, you haven't made the decision to be baptized and follow God's commandments, what are you waiting for? Are you afraid? Are you embarrassed to come up here? You know, I'd rather be embarrassed than spend eternity in hell. Do the responsibilities of becoming a Christian scare you? I'd rather be up here with sweaty armpits, butterflies in my stomach, and fumbling my words, preaching or leading a song, than spend eternity in hell. I'd rather be rejected by my friends and strangers than spend eternity in hell. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you haven't been baptized... As we've looked at, the answer is no. But imagine for a moment, you die today. You get the chance to meet Jesus. You stand in front of him. What are you going to say? What's your answer going to be? Jesus asks you if you followed his commandments. You, you say no. Because you haven't made that decision yet. And he looks at you and he says, Why? I know that you went to church. I know your parents took you. I know you've been taught. You've heard my word. I know you believe in it. Why didn't you, why didn't you make that decision? And your answer is going to be, I was embarrassed. I was scared. 
I didn't want the responsibilities that came along with being a Christian. I didn't want to have to lead a song. I didn't want to have to preach. Think about that. Do you want that answer? Do you want to give that answer to Jesus if he were to ask you that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want that to be my response when asked why, why I didn't decide to, to come forward and be baptized. Because Jesus is going to turn around to you whenever you say that, and he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.